over the past few weeks, we've been looking at Exodus. More specifically, the first few chapters of Exodus where we hear of Pharaoh's fear of the people and how it leads them to oppress those people. And then we hear of Moses killing a taskmaster and running into the wilderness. And last week we heard about God calling Moses to return and saying, use what you've got there. We heard about the story of Jan and of Moses. Story of stories of brothels and pharaohs, but a story nonetheless of knowing that if you are called, we know what to start with, and it is with what we have. That we, we don't wait until we have enough or we think we have enough, but we, we go with what we have, trusting that if God calls us to it, God will help us through it, and that God does not call the equipped, but does indeed equip the call. And after last week's text, uh, Moses finds himself, he goes to his father-in-law and he says, Father-in-law, this is what I I need to go do. I need to go free my people. And the father-in-law says, absolutely, take my daughter and go. And, And Moses and the family go to Egypt. And as they approach the land of Pharaoh, Aaron, his brother, comes out to meet him. And after being told by God to go, Moses finds himself sitting there, there with his brother, and wondering, what do I do next? As Aaron goes out to meet him, he tells him everything that's happened, and and says, you know, God came to me, and this is what he told me to do. And so they go and they share this calling story with the Israelite people. And as the Israelite people hear this, they're reminded of who God is, and who their God is, and who God has been for them, and they find themselves bowing in worship. But then, they find themselves going to Pharaoh. They proclaim to Pharaoh that God says, let my people go. I've come to free them. And Pharaoh's response is nothing short of, I don't know who this God is that y'all worship. I don't know who this Lord is that y'all worship, but why should I listen to him? Instead of obeying what God has, uh, has told Moses to tell Pharaoh, Pharaoh becomes enraged almost at, the, at what Moses is trying to say and says, you know what? Not only am I not going to let your people go, but I'm going to double their workload. And in Exodus chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, uh, Moses really kind of finds himself frustrated, questioning everything. He was so sure that this is where he had been called to go and, and what he had been called to do. He was so sure that God had had said, this is where I need you to be for my people. And now Moses finds himself wondering because Pharaoh's not listening. Why, Lord? It says in verse 22 of chapter 5 that Moses turns to the Lord and says, Oh, look, my Lord, why have you mistreated this people? Why did you ever send me? Since I first came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has mistreated these people, and you have done nothing to deliver them. Moses is questioning everything. Why did you send me here? 
why are we doing this? I'm, I'm doing what you, what you said, God, but I'm not seeing the, the result, and it's brought more trouble than it was worth, and you haven't rescued anybody, and I just feel like every time I try to do right, every, something else happens. Maybe you can relate. But in, in Exodus chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, we hear God's response to Moses. Because as the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. By a mighty hand, he will let them go. By a mighty hand, he will drive them out of this land. And God also spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they resided as aliens. I have also heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians have enslaved, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will free you from the burdens of the Egyptians, and deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, and with great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So Moses goes and proclaims Well, first, God looks at Moses and says, Hey, don't worry. I've got this. I'm in control. I will. You'll see what I will do to Pharaoh. I'll handle it. But then God proclaims, Moses, go tell your people that I'm the one that swore into this covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And now we're going to see that covenant fulfilled. I will free you and deliver you. I'm going to redeem you and I'm going to, I'm going to bring you in. I will be your God. I will bring you into that land that I promised. So basically God is saying, trust me that I am true. But in verse 9 of chapter 6, we hear Moses told this to the Israelites. But they would not listen. And why would they not listen? Because of their broken spirit and their cruel slavery. Their broken spirit, or, or, or other translations would say their spiritual, their spirit was in anguish. They had a spiritual anguish. Moses has proclaimed to God that he is feeling defeated, broken, exhausted, in despair, and hopeless. Whereas the Israelites are proclaiming the same thing. The, the term spiritual anguish that we hear in some of the translations says is defined as an inward pressure caused by deep pain and it prevents breathing. Think of a small child sobbing so hard that they can't catch their breath and they just don't know what to do anymore. They're overwhelmed, defeated, broken, and hopeless. Ever felt that way? 
And if you have, then you understand that in that moment, when things don't seem to be going how you had drawn them up, in that moment, it becomes harder and harder to trust and believe and sometimes even function. Yet even amidst all of this, God looks to His people and says, I am God. Trust me. I am still at work. I am still God. And I am still revealing myself to you and to Pharaoh. He's proclaiming what we hear said so many times in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your way straight. God is saying, trust me with all you've got. I know I know you may not understand what's happening right now, but just trust that I am God and submit to what I have called you to. Because if you trust that I am God, you will indeed trust that I will do what I promised to do and proclaim I will do. I will bring you out of Egypt. I will rescue you from bondage. I will redeem you. I will claim you as mine. I will be your God. I will bring you into the land that I promised. And I will give it to you as a heritage for your people. You see, God is reminding the Israelites and reminding Moses and reminding us that God is greater than whatever we are facing. For many of us, we have become too impressed with the Pharaoh of our lives, the little G gods, the the fears and the anxieties, the hurts, and we have allowed them until we focus so much on them and not focused or been impressed enough with God and who God is. So we oftentimes capitalize our fears and say they're too grandiose and we will never get over them, and and we say that God is not bigger than that they're bigger than God God can't conquer this we may not actually say that but the way in which we live out shows it we we focus too much on our egos and we don't give over to humility we focus too much on how can we preserve ourselves over finding justice for all persons we find ourselves focusing on revenge over grace and we find ourselves focusing on shame over forgiveness and as we talked about last week the thing that we focus on is what will grow And so as we begin to focus on our obstacles, we allow our obstacles to become bigger than God. Or we begin to believe that God can't conquer them. But because God is faithful, and God is true, God shows up. And as we know, because of the the book of Exodus, God frees God's people. But the story of Hal is one of my favorite stories because from roughly Exodus seven fourteen to chapter 11, verse 10, and we're not going to read it all, but I, I challenge you to, we hear of God performing signs for Pharaoh to show I and to Moses and to show I am who I proclaim to be. And we have labeled these the 10 plagues of Egypt. And the ways in which these these plagues take place is God showing Pharaoh who's really in control. Because as God shows them that he is more powerful than those little G-gods that they have begun to worship in Egypt. 
And, and that God is bigger than that which is oppressing and hindering the Israelite people. And I, and I love how God goes about showing that he is greater than these little g-gods that they have started to worship. Because if you look at, a, at the list of the plagues that God provides for the people of Egypt, that God uh, cast upon the people of Egypt, you see the water turning into blood, which is a direct attack on the God, uh, the Egyptian God of the Nile, Hopi. And he's saying, I'm greater than that. Your little G-God couldn't conquer this. As he, as he brings frogs out, it is, it is a mocking of, of the Hecate, the Egyptian god of fertility and water and renewal, who is said to have the head of a frog. As lice come from the dust, it is a, an attack on Geb, the Egyptian god of earth, and God going, I create, I cause this, but your little G-God was not greater. As the flies begin to come in, Kepri, the god of creation and movement of the sun and rebirth, is said to have the head of a fly. And it's a mocking of, of who this is and going, God, you're not, you're not, your little g-gods have nothing on me. We hear of the death of the cattle and of the livestock, and it's an attack on Hathor, the god of, a goddess of love and protection, who has the head of a cow. And, and the boils which begin to arise is, a, is an attack on Isis, the goddess of medicine and peace. And the locust, and the, which is attack and showing Seth, the god of storms and disorder, is not greater than me. The hail that rained down in the form of fire is an attack on Nut of the goddess of the skies. And the three days of darkness shows that not even Ra, the sun god, is greater than God. And you maybe, if you were keeping count, say that's only nine. And the tenth plague is the killing of the firstborn. It's a direct shot at Pharaoh himself saying Pharaoh you tried this at the beginning of Exodus but let me show you who has the ultimate power in Egypt and it's not you as the power of the little g gods was proclaimed as worthless to the power of our God Pharaoh releases the people and not only releases them, but as God proclaimed, forces them out of Egypt. So are you in anguish? Are you hurting or in despair? Feeling defeated, exhausted, or just feeling hopeless? This text is a reminder to us. Not allow the little G's in our life to overshadow the big G, God. But to trust that God will show up. That God is still to this day proclaiming to us, I am and I will. I will set you free. I will set you free to be the people and the church that we are called to be free from all that has left us defeated and broken, exhausted and despairing and hopeless. If you truly put your faith that I am God and greater than anything you will face, then I will come and hear your cry. I will draw near to you as you draw near to me. And I will free you to be victors, made whole, renewed, and full of hope to go wherever and do whatever it is that I'm calling you to do. Because you are my people. 
And you will further my kingdom. Amen. Amen.